You're listening to Reminisce, the Empowered Podcast, where we educate, innovate, and empower community. Today, you are having the pleasure of talking with Gerald Hoover. He is the author of the Hero Book Series. And before we begin, I would like to just share some statistics with you about literacy in America. So more than 30 million adults in the United States can't read, write, or do basic basic math above grade level three. And also 75% of state prison inmates do not complete high school or can be classified as being low literate. And these literacy rates also impact us in several different ways. For example, um, when you are literate, you also incur, well, as a, as a community, we incur $230 billion extra in healthcare costs because um, those Americans cannot comprehend the paperwork that they're filling out. So um, lit- literacy in America is a social issue as more as it is just education itself um, because of those experiences that we have based on not being able to read. And as we know in America, women and people of color has been, have been cut out of getting proper education for many years. So, you know, I am so excited to have Gerald on the call today because he is a African-American and male and he is an author. So, Gerald, can you just share a little bit about your book and what motivated you to become an author? Sure. And uh, Ryan, uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, I like what you're doing down there in your neck of the woods down in Maryland. I think you're doing great. And you're fostering, uh, you're bringing out a voice that, that's needed to be heard. Uh, the, the, the statistics that you read are eye-popping. I mean, I mean, really. And you know what? You, as a matter of fact, you might even want to do some research on uh, on how many can how many African Americans cannot even write and script anymore? Okay, and how mm. many how many how many young boys and girls cannot tell time with a clock or a watch? Not digital. I'm talking about right. being able to tell time with a with the old fashioned clock with the two hands and a minute and all that kind mm. of good stuff. They can't little hand. Uh, a lot of them cannot t- uh, tell time, and, that, and that's, that's crucial. Because if you can't, if you can't tell time, and you can't sign your name. How are you going to get a job? Mm, that's true. It's daunting, but um, but yeah, uh, my book, my friend, my hero, which is the part first part of the hero book series, uh, which is a series of four books that all have the word hero there in, in, in the title. Um, it actually started 1983, believe it or not. So we're well into 30 some odd years into this. Um, at the time, I didn't have a, I, I, I didn't have anything to write on. I had, I had a ironing board and a pen and pencil, and I proceeded to write the first nine drafts by hand until I was able to get a computer. Uh, and then one, I mean, not a computer, a typewriter. And when I did finally get a typewriter, and I was typing and so forth and sending it out to publishers, agents, and the like, I was rejected over 43 times, 42 times over a nine-year period before someone had finally taken a chance on me. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And one of, one of the reasons why I know I wasn't getting I wasn't getting published was because well I kept getting I kept getting letters that said how good the book, the book was. See, this even back then how good and how timely, how thought provoking, and how it was great message in the books. But I kept getting that last line that said, "Unfortunately, it's not right for our list." And I was trying to figure out what in the world is this list that everybody talking about, and what really right. was, and, and what what they what what they were really saying was, they didn't think black boys would go to the bookstore to buy the book. That's really mm-hmm. what they were saying. Now, mind you, it, it, it was extremely depressing. But um, but mind you, the book was written by a black young man. I uh, wasn't a boy. I was uh, uh, I was I was by a black, black that that was sharing a, a black experience. But it wasn't a book that said blacks only. You know what I mean? It wasn't mm-hmm. anything that said I'm discriminating from anybody. Or it, it didn't say um, black males only to read the book. The book is for everyone. And and mm-hmm. and as it's proven and as it has proven over time. It is it is for everyone because people of all races and 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 um creeds ethnicities and what have you religions have read the book. As a matter of fact, my book is in China right now, and my book is mm-hmm. in uh, wow. South Africa. The book is in Germany, it's in Italy. So I, I was in New Zealand. So the book has gotten out, all right. And, and this is this is from starting out on an ironing board. But uh, and but what happened was I kept getting these rejection letters. And so one day I went to a bookstore, and I actually, you know, I wanted to see what was going on with this list they were talking about. And what I saw to my horror, again, I sort of reiterated, that I didn't see any books with my face on the cover. Okay, so everything was was Nancy Drew, Hardy Boys, and you know, highlights and different things that S.C. Hinton and all that kind of stuff. There was I, there was only one book that had my color face on it, and that was a book by the late great Archie Davis, and the title of that book was called. Just like Martin, mm-hmm. so basically, I I thought to see what what they what they were doing. So, in my thinking, I said, okay, if they don't think people will come to the bookstores, I will go to where they are. And so, mm. I put a little um, uh, I wouldn't say curriculum, but I put like a study guide, if you would, in the back of the book where I put essay questions and and discussion topics in the back of the book because my premise was, I'm I'm I will get this book into a bookstore. You know what I mean, right. and and might be getting into a bookstore. I'm not, I'm sorry, not bookstore. I'm sorry, school system into a school because mm-hmm. I had no mm-hmm. I had no family in it. I had nothing racial in it, and I didn't have anything that was offensive to anyone. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. there, 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 there would I had my first school, and even I'm from New York, but because I have a church down in uh, in the Maryland and D.C. area, I have church members that go to to uh, churches down there, and so. Mm-hmm. A lady uh, took a chance on me. She was teaching at Eastern High School out there in Washington, D.C., and she was teaching 10th, 11th grade English, and she bought, I think, 50 books. And the kids read it and loved it. And this was, this was I think, in 94, I think. And then for, for, a, series of, for a period of three years I, before she retired, I would go to her school, and every year a, a different group of kids would read the book, and they would love it. And so I knew that the book worked, and th- this was mm-hmm. male and female, and, and and this was funny. Eastern High School wasn't Beverly Hills High, if you know what I mean. So it right. worked, and 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 what I saw was that if you give young men and women something that they can relate to, they'll read it, and then if and if, and if you continue to give them something to relate to, and put a component where they can enrich themselves with it, then they can get even better. That is what that is what birthed the idea of putting a full curriculum with the books. Now, over time, 
The book has done some really good things. I mean, I've been blessed to do a lot of stuff with this book, from becoming a sports writer, um, motivational speaker, and I became a motivational speaker through the book, even though I was born with a speech impediment where I stutter. I actually stutter, but I must. I, but there are times when it's funny. I, I was giving a speech just um, this past Saturday, this past Sunday, down in Washington D.C. and uh, at a men's day program. And and what was also funny was that I was telling people. Well, some people have known me since birth, but uh, I was telling. Them, I said I stutter. But for some reason, when I get in front of a crowd or if I get on radio, get on television or get in front of a classroom, I won't stutter. But one-on-one, I'll stutter. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of weird because you, cause you would think it would be reversed. You were one-on-one, I would talk more calm, and then when I get in front of a crowd, I would stutter. But when, when I'm speaking about my book and, and literacy and helping enhance and empower and educate, like, like the, the things that you just spoke about uh, in your introduction, when, when, I'm, when I know I can affect a life, in a positive way, I, I, I get energetic. As a matter of fact, I have strep throat right now. But when wow. you ask me to come on yeah, but, but but when you ask me to come on radio, I say, Okay, I'll take my medicine, you know, get me something to drink and I'll just give you give give you some time because, you know, I didn't want this opportunity to pass by without uh um you know, without you know, mm-hmm. giving you some, some some information, and time and time is time is timing is everything, and so because uh, I, I, I know where you're coming, what you're up against in a good way, so I want mm-hmm. to respect that and, and and help you as well. So again, my 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 mission, um, even in, before I wrote the book, was to help save a life, because uh, um, I didn't mention this earlier that he's deceased now, but my dad was a drug addict and alcoholic. You know, he he found some hard times, Vietnam vet and grew up in the sixties, so it was it was really tough for, for black people in the sixties. I'm not making excuses for him, but I'm certainly not mm-hmm. gonna condemn him either. I'm you know, because that was my dad. But um but I didn't want to grow up like that and I didn't want people that I knew to grow up like that. So I actually wrote a speech and the speech was sort of an anti drug stay in school uh speech and the speech, because, you know, back in those days, you know, we didn't have any fax machines. We didn't have social media. We didn't have anything like that. And so I had nowhere I thought I could put that speech. So I believe, you know, well, I'm not, I don't believe God gave me the idea of putting um, feet behind the speech. And that is where my characters were born. And, and 30 some odd years later, the Hero Book series is born. And, you know, and the rest is going to be history in some kind of way. Mm, wow. That is extremely powerful in so many different ways. Um, one, just acknowledging um, the fact that you're not a perfect person and, mm-hmm. you know, society will, um, you know, look down upon a certain group for the simple fact that they just think that they don't read or don't want to read, but mm-hmm. you touch on the point that it's not that they don't want to read. It's not We're not giving them something that's substantial. And when you put somebody in front of them that looks like them, there's an instant engagement mm-hmm. into the discussion. It reminded mm-hmm. me of um, Jason Reynolds. And right now in my classroom, we're reading All American Boys. And okay. the kids just, like, cannot put down the book at all. And it's about awesome. um, po- really about police brutality um, through the eyes of 
um, two different characters. One happens mm-hmm. to be a black male, mm-hmm. and then the other a white male. So we just started the book, but, you know, the kids are just so engaged. And I'm so glad I picked that book over the other options that were available because I, I just mm-hmm. knew that they wouldn't be engaged if sure. we were reading To Kill a Mockingbird. It would have been yeah. a struggle. <laughs> it would have been a struggle. It would have been. A, and see, and you know what, and Ryan, and, and to your point, too, uh, uh, that you made regarding me is one of the things that's scary, and this is very, this is, this is actually terrifying, is that you're not putting things in front of young men of color, black and brown boys that, that they want to read, or black and, black, and, black and brown girls as well that they may want to read. But what's prop what the prop what's problematic is that data is being pushed in front of them. You know, little toys, little phones, and little games, and little things that are taking their minds away from. Lit- I, I don't care what anybody say, and I, I don't care if we all turn into the Jetsons where we fly around every way we want to go. If your brain is not looking at a piece of paper or writing with your hands, you know what I mean to do certain things there was a certain part of your brain that will not develop. Mm, everything cannot be ev- everything cannot be automated because your brain you wasn't born from a computer. You know what I mean? I, I, again, I'm with automation. I mean, look, the fact that I'm talking to you on a cell phone is 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 part and parcel of what we're doing. Yeah, and you putting this right. up on a podcast. So yeah, technology has its place. We understand that. But if, if everybody thinks that technology is going to be the only way to communicate, your brain is going to flatline because. I, and I really believe that even though the brain is not, it's not technically a muscle, it's an organ, but it acts like a muscle. And if you don't use it, you lose it. So certain things about that brain will not develop if you're not putting your face, your eyes on a piece of paper and reading and you're putting your hands with a pencil in it and you're writing. And and to show you how, how much I'm, I'm, I'm right about this, I believe, but, uh, Steve Jobs, the late Steve Jobs, would not let his own children use those cell phones and what have you, but for a certain amount of time throughout the day. Now, mind you, this this is one of the men that 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 was he's right one of the pioneer, one of the founding fathers of this stuff, and he wouldn't let right. his own children use it, but a certain, but but for a certain amount of time because he understood how addicting it, how addicting it could be. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it's it's incredible. But see, again, what's happening with young men and and young women, especially of color, is that you know, they're shoving these things in front of their faces. Like, and let's be honest, every kid has a phone. Or, or every kid has a game or something. I, I, I'll tell you a quick story. I, I was in a barbershop, and, and, and this, this, this kind of got to me in a certain way. I was in a barbershop. I was in my barbershop chair. I was getting my hair cut, and, and a, a mother bought her son, or, or I, I believe it was her son, uh, um, to get a haircut. He had to be about three or four years old. He was playing with a game, right? When she walked him in, 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 the, um, in the barbershop, he sat down. He was still playing with his game, both fingers. I mean, both, both hands was working. Right, he sat down. Then, when it was time for him to get in his chair to get a haircut, he got in, sat down, what have you. Now, I remember my son, my son is twenty seven years old now, but I remember when my son was that age, I I used to have to nearly threaten him with barley harm in order for him to sit still, because he get in that chair and start whining, you know, want to get out, and then and then and then and then my my bob at the time had to use his genius. You know, and, and calming kids down by he would turn the clippers on 
and let my son touch the clipper. And that vibration, for some reason, would calm him down. You know what I mean? He said, here, turn it on, click. And so he started, you know, and, and to the point where my son would, 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 would practically fall asleep in a chair. You know what I mean? I, I got, you know, we, we, we had a good 10 minutes to get it, to get everything right because he's going to drop off. But now <laughs> I was saying, I, I was saying to say that this young kid was playing with that game so click, 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 click. And then, you know, they picked him up, put him in the chair. He's still playing with that game. He got his head cut, didn't move, and then got down. And I'm like, this kid, within the last half hour or so, didn't even know where he was. Right. He basically was playing. His face was on that game, riveted. And I'm like, you're doing this to this kid now at three or four years old. There's no telling what this kid's going to be like at 10, 11, 12. He won't be able to sit still. You know what I mean? And, and I'm like, I'm sorry? They need that stimulation. It makes it um, also sometimes very difficult in the classroom um, because everything is not always technology. Exactly. Everything is not gratification. Yeah, they won't um, listen, and they'll just try to stay on their phones. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, technically where I'm from, we're not allowed to take the phones from them. Wow. So um, it's a um, constant battle um, with the cell phones. And, you know, you know, I try as much as I can sometimes to put the um, assignment online, but then the, I also right. understand that you need to have paper and pencil. Like for me personally, I have a planner that's paper-based. And I feel like when I'm writing down what I have to do, I remember it better, um, for one. And it doesn't get lost. But I feel like when I use my online calendar, I might put something in there, and it's good Mm -hmm. for reminding me. But as far as me remembering that I have to do it is Mm -hmm. not too likely. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny you say it because studies have shown that people remember things better when they handwrite them. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know that 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 is 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 um is is a it's a proven fact, and I and I believe a great deal of rappers actually handwrite their stuff. You know what I mean when they have to memorize things. I I don't think I don't think they all just type things in. I think they write them down and they got their own pad, their own pad. They write things down when inspiration mm-hmm. comes and they're able to, you know, remember, uh, remember then you, I, again, like I said, I mentioned data, you know, using, uh, the, the technology and everything has its place. It sure does. But I, if you, if you, if we think that just educating these kids going to be by putting a chip in their head, you're going to create monsters. That it's as simple as that. You're gonna you're gonna unfortunately you're gonna either create monsters or you're gonna you're gonna create zombies where they're gonna be intelligent but not rightfully or fu- or, or, or or fully intelligent to where they can uh, use reasoning their reasoning skills where where they won't have full cognitive skills 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 to make decisions. They won't be able to be rational about things because if things aren't done in a certain amount of time, they're liable they're liable to lose their tempers, and you're gonna have every single kid out here. Unfortunately, being labeled special ed or ADHD or ADD, because their brains will not be able to settle down. And then, and then before they're 35 years old, they're going to have what's known as digital dementia, where they're going to be burnt out. You know, it's a serious thing we're facing here. And of course, 
young black and brown boys are going to be the ones that's going to suffer from that first, foremost, and worse. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to have to um, look up that idea of digital dementia. I never um, heard that before. Yeah, yeah, it, it's out there, digital dementia. You, you had a situation where I think it was in China where they had to um, actually put kids in a detox where uh, they were playing with those games so much. Because, I mean, I, I, I think if I, I remember reading where one kid got so upset he killed his parents because mm. because you know, they, they took the game from him. Oh, yeah, yes. but, but, but yes, I yeah. Wow. Yeah, and 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 um, but but they had to actually put kids in a detox center to get them to be able, you know, to get keep them away from the games. That that's serious business. That's serious business. You know, I mean, again, when Steve Jobs, when I heard that Steve Jobs would not let his own children play with play with these these, these devices, but but for so many minutes a day, that 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 touches something. Touches something. Mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah, because he's a creator. Yes. Of the product, really. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, yes. Ones, yeah. 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 He's one of the pioneers. He, he, he was. He's right. Right in there. Right in there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, my, my head goes up to teachers. Mhm. So you know, um, technology can harm, and it also can be um, a good support. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was saying, you know, right now in my classroom, we're reading All American Boys, mm-hmm. and I play the audio of the book, mm-hmm. and that helps the students stay engaged too, because then they can sure. hear the authors are reading the book. So you know, the passion is coming out, and it's mm-hmm. um, not just their voice, but hearing the author and how the author would say the words, and mm-hmm. so that is really exciting for them to be able to hear the audio like that. But at the same time, like you said, we need a balance and understanding that technology can also be a hindrance to literacy. And um, the goal is to make sure that our kids are learning and they are growing and that we're making wise choices as teachers, as uh, community members, as authors, to give the students and put content in front of the students that are going to be engaging and empowering. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I, I, uh, I really thank you for um, writing this book series. And um, I love how you talk about the authentic growth um, of the piece itself, how you were just writing on the ironing board. And I think that story is, is so important for the students and for people who want to become authors because I think sometimes people think um, like there's a certain way things are supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Like like you were saying, then you got a typewriter afterwards. So if you don't have a typewriter, if you don't have a word processor or computer, mm-hmm. paper and pen is just fine. You better believe it. I, I went whatever I went whatever I can get my hands on, <laughs> you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and went, I went for I went for it from there. I had to. I had mm-hmm. to. I went forth from I went I went I had I had to use whatever I had to use and um it taught me a lot. I tell you something, Ryan. I, I, I tell, there were days when it was like eighty five degrees and sunny and I literally would be in the house on a Saturday writing 
on my ironing board. And I never forget one day I was writing, and I, and I lived I lived on the tenth floor, and I lived, I lived in a project mm-hmm. building. We call them projects in New York, and um, all the windows were open. There was no AC in the house, then. all the windows were open. And I remember looking outside and into the deep, prettiest, prettiest of blue skies, and I remember saying, I remember saying, why am I doing this? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I never forget. I said, "Why?" I said, "Why am I doing this?" And just like you hear my voice, a voice came to me and said, "This is not just about you. Keep writing." Now, mm-hmm. now, what I did was I, I didn't go to the window. I, I, I didn't, I didn't look for any burning, anything burning. <laughs> I didn't need to, I didn't need to see. <laughs> I didn't need to see anything different. I, I, when that voice came to me, basically all I did was turn myself around and kept writing. Right. But I, listen, Ryan, Ryan, listen. That, I, I tell, I'm telling you, that voice was just like you hearing me talk right now. I believe it, it. I mean, just like you hearing me talk right now, that voice sounded just like that. I'm like, okay, I don't need to see or hear anything. I just turned right around and kept writing. But it was, it's interesting. It's like, what, I think 35 years later, I never forgot it. Never forgot that voice. That voice stayed with me. I mean, that saying stayed with me ever since then. And even though I went through the nine years of struggle to get published or what have you, when that voice, when that voice spoke to me, I just turned around and I realized, and, and now as I speak to you, and I've done certain things, you know, throughout uh, society and, and things I'm blessed to do, it wasn't about me. You know, it wasn't just about, and it's still not just about me. And so, you know, by, by me listening to that voice and hearing that voice, it really just, just, just did, did something for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Definitely. So that is also powerful, too, because um, the last message that I heard at church was about it's bigger than you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you see what I mean? It's just a, yeah, it's just a reminder, you know, to keep going um, mm-hmm. through this journey to positively impact the community and making sure that people of color, that women, um, that any um, group that is not supported is supported mm-hmm. in their literacy journey. Um, some yeah. a fact that I didn't share earlier, which is um, pretty frightening too, that um, according to World Atlas, America has a literacy rate of eighty six percent, and throughout um, all countries, we rank number one hundred and twenty five. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are not at the top. We're not even. Cl- we're, 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 whoa. So, 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 wait a minute. You're saying that out of 125, we're number 85? No, no. Um, actually, I need to go back to see. Oh, I'm saying out of all the countries in the world. We're 85. We are, we are 125. Oh, whoa. Yeah. So, out of all the countries in the world, we're at 100. You do realize that, you do realize that, Ryan, we were once in the top three. Right. You, just, you just realize that I mean I mean this might have been before you were born. I'm not sure your age range. I'm I'm 53, so I'm a I'm what they call old, I'm 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 a young looking old head if you if you would. But <laughs> uh-huh. but but we were at one point in the top three in everything. Mm-hmm. We were in the top three in everything, and just saying that we're at 125. 
Yeah, we rank at 125, and our literacy rate is 86%. So only 86% of our population can read and write. But the problem with that 86%, at what standard level? Because I heard what you said during the, during the statistics of, I think, third grade reading level, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, being able right. to read and write, but, but at what proficiency level? You know what I mean? Yeah, Where are we with that? True. Where are we with that? I mean, and I promise you, Ryan, and I'm sure you see it as an educator, you see it every day. There are so many young people that do not know how to differentiate the twos, the T-O, the T-O-O's, the T-W-O's, the no's, the K-N-O-W, the N-O's, the mm-hmm. oh, the theirs are a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> That is an absolute horror show. You get that, you can forget it, you know. And 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 then how many how many of our babies? Because I, I get intimate when I say it like that. How many of our babies do not write the word Y O U, but instead use the word use the letter U, and lowercase at that. And yeah. how many of our babies are, are get to the point of putting a comma where they belong to? Just you you can forget that one right there, but. How many how many of our babies now are starting to write sentences without capitalizing the first letter in the word? Yes, yes. This, these are daily struggles. I mean, you know what I mean? And, 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 and I know you teach what ninth or tenth grade. Now mm-hmm. that is that is very, 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 very scary. It it's is. very scary. But but yet, but yet here comes here comes another computer. Here comes another laptop. Here comes, here comes, here comes a, a, another recording device. Here comes a, yeah, yeah, you just punch this button to yeah, do that and then and get a test score. Come on, man. Yeah, come on, man. Yeah, yeah, I mean, these kids are graduate. These kids are graduating without any skills. I mean, you, you're basically putting these kids on a on 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 a, a a fast track, if you want to call that, to failure because they're graduating. You know, getting out, coming out of school without a proficiency in anything, without a skill level. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and most schools, when, when I grew up, just about every high school had a trade section that that, that, that they, they can teach you. You, you can be taught. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about in the school, you didn't have to go to a special school for this, but you can go to right. your regular public school and learn home economics. You will learn uh, you want to be an electrician. You, if you want mm-hmm. to be a carpenter, if you want to be, uh, uh, you want to get into architecture, you'll, you'll learn drafting. Uh, they had auto body, automotive stuff. I mean, you had stuff in, like in my my whole school because I I grew up in Mount Vernon, New York, right outside the Bronx. Mm-hmm. That school had when I say everything, it had everything. They had a section where they built cars, fixed cars, did whatever they had to do with cars. They had an agricultural section. Uh, uh, I mean, not agriculture because we didn't have livestock, but uh, 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 for florists, I mean, you know, they, they had things like that. They had like a garden where you can learn things about that, about, about nurseries and what have you. I mean, they had everything in that school. Now, nothing. And and if you want to get that kind of stuff in the high school, you you have to you have to find that high school, and then you have to apply for it. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So 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 you you can find it, but you might not get accepted. Mm-hmm. Come on, Ryan. Well, I mean, like, like, what is going on here? You know? Yeah, we have a we have a lot to do um, in our society on how we um, educate our children and and also educate our community. Yes. To, to prosper, 
Because, yes. you know, um, lots of times the students don't even realize how bad they have it. Yeah. You know, unless they go somewhere else. I had the opportunity to uh, speak at Harvard University on culture responsive teaching practices. Awesome. And I'm scheduled um, to speak again this year on March March 1st. And um, I also had an opportunity to attend their Artist of the Year ceremony. And they, um, the students performed several different dances and songs. And, uh-huh. um, you know, it was clear even, you know, c- compared to my upbringing, um, that they are privileged. And yes. the costumes that they had, the um, level of skill set that they had when they were uh-huh. performing were just mind-blowing. And then when they talked about the experience, it was like, oh, you know, I've been dancing classically trained since I've been three. And, you know, yeah, I'm just, like, blown away. But to them, that's that's normal, you know? Yeah. So it's like the kids that we see on a daily basis don't have a chance Uh when they have to compete with somebody who is given everything. I I taught in China uh, for a semester. Well, actually, it was, it was a semester that was condensed into like a month, a little less than a month, where I was I was teaching five hours a day to the same group, and that that was grueling, especially for the first, for the first couple of days. It, it was because these kids. What I mean by grueling was we started from nine o'clock. Well, it's thirteen hours. It was an eighteen hour flight, but it's thirteen thirteen hours ahead. So right now it's about four forty in the morning in China, all right, on, mm-hmm. on Thursday morning. Now, um, the discipline that these young men and women displayed is almost frightening. I mean, I mean, it, it didn't discourage me, but it discouraged me from a standpoint that I said, if these, if our babies here were, were, were 80% of what these young men and women are as far as discipline is concerned, the learning would be absolutely astronomical. I'm talking about even when kids were like I was only black male for miles in the area where I was. I mean for miles. Matter of fact, my first two weeks there, I didn't see another black dark person until I went to a mall and saw a man from Africa. I didn't see anybody my my color at, at all. But no one bothered me, so that that wasn't my my point. My point right, was right, right. where where I was in the school. For instance, when when the kids changed and went from one class to another, and like and the way the classes are are built, they they're like they're like windows. You know what I mean? Where you can see. You can see inside the classroom, so it's not like you know. Even though they had doors, but you can actually see inside of a classroom. And when the kids walk past, it's not like they will yell inside the class, and, you know, "Hey, yo," or anything like that. Yo, meet me outside. I mean, nothing. They were just as quiet, went right through. The only weird thing that the kids would do is that they were going to the bathroom and they would smoke. 
It was cigarettes. It wasn't anything else. But that, that's a way that. So I would go into the bathroom sometimes, like because you had to use that. And I, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm in there, I'm like, yo, stop. You, you know, and they, they would bow and be respectful and all, and they, they would all walk out. But but it's not like walking to walking into a bathroom. I, I mean, that's when I thought I had a flashback of of school in America in the '60s. You know, I'm like, they smoked in the bathroom back in those days, yeah. But or they, or they snuck and did it. But they, these kids actually smoked in the bathroom. I'm like, okay, but. But the, but in the classroom, I'm telling you, Ryan, the discipline that these these kids showed—just being quiet, being respectful—I mean, sitting still, wanting to learn. I mean, not being antsy, not getting up, walking out. Not, I gotta go here. I mean, it, it just—it it was incredible. And I'm and I was thinking, I'm mean, man, if our babies were this way, the we would get back into the top three mm-hmm. because the the brains aren't any smaller. You know what I mean? It's not right. that. It's just that the, it's just that the discipline and the other other stuff that that's going on with it, politics or whatever, whatever you want to call it, when all that stuff is factored into things, then then we have problems. Mhm. Wow. Mhm. You're so right. There's there's a lot of things that we need to work on, and discipline is one of those things. Um. But also, you know celebrating the strengths and you know i do yes. like the education system in america uh that we talk a lot about the arts and you know right giving them and when we have the funding supporting that you know giving them the opportunity to express themselves so mm-hmm. you know I, I would say it would be i would want to balance right i, want a, I wouldn't want a classroom that would be like totally disciplined and Quiet. Sure, 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 sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, I mean, you don't want it rigid, but yeah. But I, I just think to get to where we need to get to, something good has to happen with that because we're losing, we're losing so many kids to like you mentioned. You you mentioned something seventy five percent of 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 inmates were didn't have were dropouts. You know how right, serious right. that is. As a matter of fact. There was there was a there was a um, another statistic that I saw some years ago. I had to read it twice because I heard it then I, then I read it that it said something about ninety five percent of high school dropouts died before a certain age range. That that's frightening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. it's frightening, yeah. and, and it goes it's back frightening. to healthcare. Um, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. yes, 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 yes. You know that, that you know those things that, but but one thing I'm hopeful is that for people like yourself, people like myself, and people that are that are in this chorus, if you would, you know, you can only do things within your well, you can do things within your circle, but however far reaching your circle is, with with whatever um, mechanism that you have, then you must use it. For instance, I realize that as much as I love speaking to young men and young women, I might not be able to reach. Them all at one time because even with technology, but my books can reach people. You know what I mean. So in other words, mm-hmm. I may not, I may not ever go to Kalamazoo, Michigan, right? I may not, but my books can be there, and my right. curriculum can be there. You know, there, there mm-hmm. are certain places where, like for instance, my I haven't been in South Africa yet, but my books are in twelve schools there. Wow. Right. So, so, so at least it reached there. You know what I mean? It reached there. And so that, you know, it's an extension of me because I wrote the book, 
But so I so I realized that the way you know my books can be packaged and presented and used and so forth and so on that my my books my books can be could be used long long even after I'm gone, you know. So 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 whatever mechanisms that we can use to help force a change and I mean I mean I'm not put myself on this level, but look at Martin Luther King for instance. The speeches that he's made are more profound now than they were back then. I mean now they were powerful right, then. Right. They, they, they were powerful then. Now, I mean, I, I'm not minimizing the power of it now. Right, but I know what you mean. Just in being able to go through and analyze it, and and, and be able to see what he said from different angles, different viewpoints, where you might think his mindset was. I mean, and and you can get more strength from that by 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 reading and hearing it and hearing it over and over again. So, you know, you can do certain things within your circle, no matter how. Like for you're going to Harvard, you've done things like that. You, you know, you may say something to somebody in that audience that you may not meet one on one, but it, they can take that and 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 be blessed with it. Mm-hmm. So, so whatever your circle is going to be, and again, we don't know how far reaching it's going to be. But even what you're doing with this podcast, you know, if you if you're able to put mm-hmm. things on different platforms, different mediums, so where people can see it and hear it and what have you, you never know who can be touched by one of your guests or maybe it was something that you say. You know, mm-hmm. so whatever mm-hmm. platform we can use, we, we must use it. Right. I think this is um, a perfect spot to end and and summarize this talk call. Um, sure. And and the way that I would end this would be um, just talk about legacy um, and the legacy of literacy and mm-hmm. how you are leaving a mark in literacy for generations to come, for, you know, all those people who might not see the hope in their own story, and then you have shared your story to motivate them to invest in their dreams and not to give up on them. So I just want to thank you for writing your book series, and your book, My Friend, My Hero. And I am going to look forward to hearing many more stories and hopefully also buying your book. So if other people who are listening to the podcast also want to get in contact with you, how can they contact you? Sure. Well, I get, my email is J-L-H-P-R-O-D, so that's J-L-H-P-R-O-D, number six, number five, at gmail.com. So again, that's J-L-H-P-R-O-D-6-5 at gmail.com. I have a website, www.theherobookseries.com. I'll say it again, www.theherobookseries.com. Of course, my books are on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, you know, they're, they're, they're all over. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter, uh, Jerry Hoover 65 I have two handles, and the other handle is the Hero Book Series. Uh, you can contact me through that. Um, you can follow me. I can follow you back. You can inbox me there. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, and uh, Gerald Hoover, J-E-R-A-L-D. And so um, I can't be hidden, so I- I'm out there. All right. Thank you again. Thank you, listeners. This was Reminisce, the Empower Podcast. This is your host, Ryan Reed, signing off. Thank you for having me.